it was like uh, we had our plenty of opportunity. Like it was a rough start, man. Like I mean, rough. But we've had plenty of opportunity to throw in the towel, and you know we just chose not to. I'm religious, so prayed about it, and um, I made a choice. That was the biggest choice I probably ever made. To be like, you know what, I'm gonna stick this out no matter what. Like win, lose, or draw, mm-hmm. I'm gonna see this to the end, and and that's it. And I feel like making that decision was the best decision. I'm extremely passionate about helping corporate professionals transition into entrepreneurship. So I had to share the one thing, the number one thing that helped me develop as an entrepreneur, and that's the morning meetup. I joined the morning meetup specifically for the structure because I'm, I'm leaving corporate America, so I'm used to those morning huddles. We got our sales, we know what our goals are, and we get our day started. So I was missing that for two years before I even found the morning meetup. Now, the second thing that I really, really benefited from was the revenue. Revenue generating activities was not necessarily a thing before 2021. Now, I had my LLC, I had my website, I had a few clients here and there, but the momentum really took off as soon as I got around like-minded individuals and people who really knew the struggles that I was already dealing with that I could get over my fear of sales and communicating my value and putting myself out there on social media. The friends that I've developed, the mentors and the mentees that I've that I've created relationships with, everything has really created this environment for us to thrive as entrepreneurs. So if you want to develop as an entrepreneur, you're leaving corporate America and you're trying to figure out how do I get my footing in entrepreneurship, then the morning meetup will definitely be a game changer for you. You can learn with us, you can grow with us. And I didn't even mention that we have a book club. Join us in the community. Let's get started today. You will not regret it. Welcome to another episode of the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Young, and today we have a pretty cool cat. I can I can actually say, like, you actually have a pretty cool vibe. <laughs> I'm curious to get into your story. Mr. T.K. James, would you like to take it away? Uh, thank you for having me. It's truly a pleasure. I think that's, that's the Sagittarius vibe that you're getting, you know, Sagittarius, recognize Sag. Facts, facts. Um, but yeah, uh, T.K. James, um, entrepreneur, uh, marketing is my background, but right now I'm co-owner to uh, uh, social, I mean, I'm social, security company, as well as uh, travel culture, which I think is something I really want us to kind of get involved with or talk about. It's a passion project, but it's something that means a lot to me, and I think it can really make a difference in people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. I think just from hearing a little bit about the travel aspect of life and knowing that some people don't get a chance to see anything outside of what their their community looks like, mm-hmm. I, I think even in that aspect, it can definitely change some, some lives, some perspectives. Yeah. Mindsets and think a little bigger off Correct. all of that. Yeah, I mean, it truly made a difference for me. Um, and I guess it wasn't until I became an adult and tapped into what traveling truly meant to me mm-hmm. that I realized, even as a kid, it was already changing me and shaping my mind and my outlook on the world. So I want to all give right. back and give somebody else that opportunity to do the same. So it's your passion project right now. So does yeah, that mean yeah. you haven't yet started monetizing on it? Tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, so I haven't started monetizing on it, on it at all yet. Uh, we're just kind of in the build-out phase. So working on the site, working on the concept, trying to actually lock in exactly what travel culture is going to be. Okay. And um, trying to utilize our outlets. I want to bring it, I want to make it a very inclusive project. So reaching out to other fellow travelers who you know might have a little extra time and do eventually want to monetize on it. But for now, it's just kind of giving the game away, you know, trying to let people know how to do it, 
inexpensively uh, give reviews on products, you know, op- observations of what they've seen when they've traveled to these different parts of the world. Mm. And not even just the world, I mean, here in America as well, there's a lot of beauty here that I think people tend to run from and try to, Absolutely. you know, Instagram, Instagram, let me go to Seychelles and everywhere, you know, it's like, <laughs> yo, go to, go see Mount Rushmore or something and tell me about it. I haven't been. That's actually a really good point. I used to work for the airline, so I think my mind went, I need to go as far as I can, as many far places yeah. as I can. And <laughs> I, I was, yes, very <laughs> much so. Wanted to collect the passport yeah. stamps. And so I spent 24 hours in Argentina one time. Yeah, just, just to, <laughs> you know, breathe the air, yeah. see what it looked like. Yeah. But you know what it did for me, though? Mm-hmm. It really did um, remove a little, a lot of that FOMO mm-hmm. that a lot of people have. I think now yeah. that I've been to these places, I'm less like um, likely to waste, not waste, but spend money on places that I'm more so just curious about, yeah. um, as opposed to places that I really want to go and enjoy the people, Correct. enjoy the culture. Um, so, like, I've never been one to go to like Ireland and things yeah. like that. <laughs> You're like, oh. I was like, I might as well go while I got, you know, yeah. the benefits. <laughs> So, um, yeah, it, what you're explaining sounds a little bit like travel noir mixed with travel, uh, tra- travel trip advisor, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, mixed with like a community aspect of it. Yeah, community aspect for sure. Um, <clears throat> and I think uh, a big part of it is going to be teaching people how to, I guess, how to travel, especially like, because a lot of times I, the, the the response I get is uh, people, they think that they assume that it's so expensive. Right. Mm. To go to these places or just, you know, to leave Atlanta. They have a cost, a dollar amount associated with that trip, which it does cost some money. You know, it's not free, but um, it doesn't have to be as expensive. Like I've traveled around the globe and I pride myself on finding these deals. So, I mean, I round trip from here to Hawaii. I went to Maui. It was two thirty six on I won't mention the airline, but yeah, it was two thirty six on a great airline. Okay. Round trip. You can't beat that. Round trip to Maui. Yeah. Oh, From that's, Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, deal. you can't. So what's your deal? Do you um, look more long-term? Do you know where to go, what the highs and lows and are? And people, I, they ask me all the time, like, yo, do you have a buddy pass or something? Yeah. No. I just, and I book a lot of last-minute flights. I just have a, no, a technique that seems to work as far as finding these flights. And I will 100% give that away for free. I just would like you to go to Travel Culture to get it. So it's not just um, Travel Noir, you know, the community trip advisor. It's also an education piece. Correct. Which that's, I think our community needs the yeah, most. That's the biggest part of it. That's what, that's the backbone of Travel Culture. That's beautiful. Yeah. So now we have to get into like the mind of this person who can put something like that together because I'm sure it's many life experiences that came together all in one to combine like yeah. this idea. So where what was the impetus of this idea? Um, you know what? Honestly, it it was something I had thought about before because once again, you know, just thinking about what travel had done had has done for me but did for me as a kid as well mm-hmm. and kind of realizing that as an adult. It was a uh, maybe Going on two years ago, I was having a conversation with my cousin, and he is, uh, well, he's 36 now, 36 now, had never been on an airplane. So that kind of bothered me, or it did bother me. Yeah. But it was also, you know, I sat there and I spoke to him about his reasons why, and he had some different reasons. But um, I was like, yeah, listen, it was actually his birthday month, and I'm like, hey, man, I'm going to Miami. I'm at the airport now. I'm going to book your flight. 
All you have to do is make it to the airport and then, you know, come to Miami, everything's taken care of. And I was like a parent almost, like, I mean, he didn't need it, but I'm like, hey, man, are you okay? Like, where you at now? Did you get through security? Yeah. Like, first time, you know, going through the airport in Hartsfield is a Pretty big, big airport, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that kind of, uh, and then I saw the joy he received from just being in Miami and being on a flight for the first time and experiencing that. And I was like, you know, it's too many adults that I do know that grew up uh, around my way that have not traveled. And um, I feel like just having those conversations, I can see the difference in the mindset versus the people I know in my life who have traveled and seen different things and experienced different cultures and food and everything else versus those that haven't. So I want to extend that opportunity as much as possible. And so I guess the big part of travel culture is that we use the funds or we'll be using those funds to sponsor trips for individuals who haven't had that opportunity. And that's at the core of how you even started the business. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's really cool. So walk us through, like, where, when you uh, grow, grew up, where, where did you grow up? I grew up on the south side of Atlanta, Clay County, Morrow. Clay Cole? Yeah, yeah. Are you serious? Clay Cole. I would never have imagined. Yeah, I'm a Clay Cole baby, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, so did you go, so you went to um, Morrow High School? Morrow High. I went to uh, Morrow and Forest Park Middle and then Morrow High. Okay, okay. So what was it like growing up on the south side? Uh... Well, coming from Germany, like coming back from Germany, it was a... Uh, you got to give us a little bit of... You coming back from Germany? Yeah, so I was born here. Um, once again, my pops was in the military, so he ended up getting some orders for Germany. So I stayed in uh, Heidelberg and Darmstadt for okay. about four years. Mm. Uh, moved back here once he was ready to retire and started a new life here. And uh, it was just a culture shock coming, yeah. <laughs> You know, because those were like four core years of my life. And then coming back to uh, the South Side, uh, I, my first memory, i never forget this, when we got off the airplane, we were on the way to our house, and I'm in the back of the, we had a minivan at this time, right? And uh, I see this dude driving in like a Regal or something, but his seat was, like, he's in the driver's seat, but you're not going to see his head in the back seat. And I'm sitting there looking out the window like, what? I'm like... Dad, why is his head in the back seat? He's like, you know, just how it is around here. Right. <laughs> used to it. You fast forward like three years later or something, like everybody around him, yeah, it's, it's normal. Mm-hmm. That's just what it was. But uh, it was it was a great time. I wouldn't trade that upbringing for anything, man. Uh, it taught me a lot. Uh, well-rounded, I think, at the end of the day. Yeah, I had a great time. I got you. So yeah, when you were trouble. growing up... What was instilled in you in terms of um, career-wise? Did you did you know what you wanted to go to school for? Were you like, I'm going to school? What was your mindset at that time? My dad was really heavy on um, us having higher education uh, because he was uh, dropout, uh, pretty much illiterate, went to end up going to, in the military. Mm-hmm. And um, when he got out, his, his big thing was that he wanted to go to college. So he ended up going and getting uh, his degree from DeVry University and uh, computer and CIS. Okay. And then from there, he was able to, I mean, before that, we were piss poor. He was able to build a life off of that. You know, and I could literally tell you when it, the change happened. It was wow. like night and day. Yeah. So you saw him going to school, was mm-hmm. it, and it wasn't online, I'm sure, at that time. Nah, it was you were in, in person. So, yeah, he was working crazy jobs, go to school, work at night, do whatever he had to do to, like, and we, he was a single parent with uh, 
raising three boys. Yeah. The top three responses that I get when I ask, why do you want to leave corporate America? Are that you want financial freedom, you want to own your own time, and you want to build a legacy for this generation and generations to come. Now, this is not a solo job. In order to transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship, it's going to take community and it's going to take resources. And I've created the community of pioneers who are going to wrap around you and help you make that transition successfully. So if you're interested in leaving your job, go ahead and click that information below. Let's get into the community and let's transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship successfully. Now let's get back to the episode. So when you look back at that time, I remember there were times where my mom was studying for H&R Block, right? And I'm in the back with my little subway, yeah. just like, <laughs> I guess this is how life is supposed to be. Yeah. When you look at your dad going to school and then his life changing, mm -hmm. what kind of um, philosophy was instilled in you? Do you feel like you learned anything about education or the value of it or any of that? I think um, I, I was always a pretty sharp kid. You know, I, and I had a, a knack for learning. Like, I always wanted to learn. I enjoy, to this day, learning new things and being knowledgeable. But I think seeing him do that just taught me that it was possible. You know, I didn't, like, I knew some of my dad's upbringing, but it just taught me that, you know, anything is possible if you put in the work. Absolutely. Yeah. How old were you during this time? I was middle school. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Young enough to still kind of be counting on dad mm -hmm. and then old enough to see dad growing as a man. And right around those those years, yeah. you're becoming a man, so to speak, right? Trying to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did you know what you wanted to like do at that age? What were you pretty Ooh. good at? Uh, honestly, I was good at math. Um, and I thought that I wanted to be... So I had an, I ended up getting an orthodontist after that switch happened, right? When the money started coming in, mm -hmm. um, and I, Mr. Dr. Bernstein, still remember his name to this day. He, I remember going to his office and he had like all these pictures on his wall of him and his family like traveling all over the world, and he had like two infinities outside and all that stuff. And I'm like, I want this life, mm. right? And I know I'm sharp at math and everything, so I was like, I'm going pre med. I'm going to college. I'm going pre med, and went to college in that first year. Change from pre med. <laughs> Okim, was it Okim? I don't know. That, okay, um, I feel man. like that's everybody's turning point. Yeah, I, I listen after I started seeing my grades plummet, and I knew I would. It was time for this. me to make a change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, I ended up taking a break and trying to figure out, you know, exactly what I wanted to do, and I think I ended up figuring that out. You took a break. Yeah. So at the time where your grades weren't like, you know, up to par, right? Mm -hmm. You're thinking, one, this major is not for me. But then why? How was this? You make it sound like such an easy decision to take a break. No, it really. I mean, it wasn't uh, because once again, I was such a. I was used to making like straight A's. So, okay. You know, I was, and I prided myself on that. So when I wasn't making those grades, I'm like, something's not right. Okay. And it wasn't the the work. It was me. What's going on? Um, new freedoms, new money, like, I mean, because we're always making, you know, trying to make money. And, uh, yeah, I think I just got caught up and I uh, needed to take that step back before I completely blew everything. But it was, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I think I, I wanted to do that for the wrong reasons. I didn't know my why. That's a really good way to put yeah, it. Yeah, so looking back. I wanted to do that because I thought I wanted that money that yeah. he had and, you know, that lifestyle. But it wasn't for me. That wasn't 
my my uh, avenue, should I say, or my route. Absolutely. One of the things that you just said that stuck out to me was um, you wanted to make money, right? To me, that sounds a bit entrepreneurial. Because mm-hmm. from my perspective, when I was in school, I always had, I've had a job since like 14, oh, yeah. right? Same, same. Yeah. So I was definitely for the money kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like I knew if I put work in, I'm going to get a check. But I wasn't very entrepreneurial. So when you said I'm, I was all about money, what do you mean by that? Um, I feel like any success story, people I know personally or don't know or read about, the money shouldn't be the driving factor. Facts. Yeah, because when it is, you're never, you're always gonna go astray. Wow. So, and it's I have I hate to admit it, but I went to a Tony Robbins seminar some years back. Why do you hate to admit that? <laughs> because it's like you know one of those cliche things, but um, I did, and uh, <laughs> he was talking about why, like you know tapping into what your why is. And uh, at first, you know, they have you jot down all this stuff, and I'm doing, like, all this surface-level things. Once again, oh, money, you know, yeah. stability, blah, blah, blah. And um, then they're like, okay, take all of those, ball them up, throw them away. Like, we want you to really tap into why you want to be an entrepreneur, why you want to be, you know, a CEO, why you want to be this, whatever it was. And so once I did that truly, everything just started to make sense. And that was actually, I think, the year that, I started, I became an entrepreneur. Okay. So setting the scene, you're in college, you yeah. take a break. You said you found your why. During well, the- no, I, that, no, I took a break. Uh-huh. I found something that I liked, found which something was that you liked. marketing. Okay. How did yeah. you find out you like marketing outside of school? So promo, promotional marketing. Okay. Uh, started liking that and then had the opportunity to, um, intern with Ciroc. So once I got back in school, I interned with them. Um, and it was a great, great time, like just being around these successful figures, you know, um, in these meetings, of course, not being able to say a word, but, you know, just listening in, it was very intriguing. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I figured out that I did like that avenue was something I was good at. I was a very personable person. Yeah. I like talking. So it was like, Networking was a major part of it, you know, the gift to God. And it was something that I took for granted for many years until people were like, dude, like, I'll pay you to go handle this meeting for me or like, you know, to promote this party or go set this up for me. So I started tapping into that. And then once I got back in school, I actually did uh, criminal justice and um, marketing. And it paid off. I'm at, look what feels I'm in. I'm actually, without me even knowing the path at that point, right? Facts. The criminal justice part was pretty much like, I need to get out of school. Like, I got to get out of here. And I ended up with a security company, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is right along the lines. And, uh, you know, being involved in other business ventures. So That is so cool. I don't even know where to start because I'm curious about so much. Yeah. Now, when you said you were doing, you, you were interning at Ciroc, which is a wonderful mm-hmm, opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Of course, being exposed to people who are successful is a given. Yeah. But the skill sets of being a promo, like a person who is like um, val- seen as a valuable asset, like, hey, I'll pay you to promo. What type of skill sets were you developing in that internship that set you apart from just like your average intern sitting in the room super quiet? I mean, I, I feel like that was me. Through and through, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but once again, well, for one, building those relationships, right? Got it. Taking it beyond just uh, "Hey, how you doing?" or whatever, like mm-hmm. talking, 
talking, once again, the gift of God. Um, and genuinely making people feel comfortable. You know, and, it's, and, I'm, and that's when people are like, oh, you need to utilize this. I'm like, well, I'm not trying to take advantage of people. I'm just being myself. But, um, yeah, it was building those relationships, man, that where people were like, why would I go over here and let this person do it when I know you can do it and I like you? So, here you go. Got it. So, it was relationships. Yeah, 100%. Um, the skill set that you were building, what would you say it was from a technical standpoint? Like, if you're going to do promo, you have to know this. Uh, for one, your numbers. Um, okay. Yeah, and I mean, you know, going into, like, if you're bringing somebody in, like, uh, how much are they charging you to come in? Door costs, your bar, uh, your bar, your buyback at the bar, or your percentage that you're getting from the bar. Like, you really got to know that stuff. And I, I messed up plenty of times starting off, you know, where there wasn't a clear cut. Get everything in paper. Where it wasn't, like, you know, clear cut understanding of what we were doing. And it's like, you can't do handshake deals with everybody as well. So, yeah, we got burnt. Um, and, you know, we learned and were able to make something successful I think mm. did you have some like more did you have more burn moments before you started to do it like as a um, a uh, entrepreneur or did you start learning more when people were like hey I want you to do this for me were you learning on their dime <laughs> I wish I would have learned more on their dime um, <laughs> that's always a better way to do it <laughs> through all business yeah. even now um, but yeah, no, I think it was more so our dime or I think the, you know, like more, more reward with, uh, more like, what is it? Um, opportunity, no, no risk, no reward, no risk, no reward. Yeah. So the Got more it. risk, the more reward, is, you know, possible. Yeah. So I look at it like, it's like an independent artist, you know, mm. they got to put up their own money in most cases, but they can make a lot more. Mm. So yeah, I think it was once we started doing that when we, learned those valuable lessons because before then it's just cutting anybody's check it's easy you know it's like it's not your money yeah you don't really pick up on the lessons that's they're facts. picking up on the lessons <laughs> <laughs> that's i think that's such a good point if your dollar is not tied to that experience yeah. you might not necessarily get the lesson that you thought which is like a main thing and i think any deal entrepreneur wise like people want to know it called skin in the game right yeah what are you putting up for me to want to put my money into this deal as well. Okay. So that's like, you know, 101. Yeah. So we know later, because you gave us a bit of a spoiler, you found yourself at a Tony Robbins um, <laughs> conference. So Tony. tell us a little bit about your experience while you were um, in marketing. So when you graduated, did you go back to Ciroc? No, or? I actually um, went to Coca-Cola. Okay. And then um, the construction, Peachtree Restorations, What's up, MJ? Um, and then from there, on to Top Flight. Okay, got it. And Top Flight, what does Top Flight do? Security. Oh, gosh, that's the name of, the of your company. <laughs> <laughs> of the world, Craig. That is so funny. When I found that, I was like, this yeah. is super like funny. You yeah, can tell yeah. you already had like, this dope personality. <laughs> I was like, Top Flight Security yeah, of the world, Craig. Yeah, it works. Yeah, absolutely it does. Um, so when was it in your career where you said, okay, I need to find my way? I, once again, I, up until Tony, I thought I knew my why. I mean, yeah. to be honest, I knew I was in something that I liked, mm -hmm. but I, I feel like I wasn't reaching my heights because I didn't have anything to reach for. Like I was reaching for the wrong things. 
Um, so once I figured out what I needed to reach for or what truly drove me, yeah, everything else just started kind of falling in line. It was like a domino effect, I promise you. Like deals started coming across the table, opportunities, should I say. And um, my that's what woke me up every day. Because when you're an entrepreneur, like, if you don't work, I mean, for most of us, if you don't work, you're not getting paid, mm. you know? Like, especially starting off. Facts. You got to get up and grind every day to get that check, man. So, yeah. um, to survive. Uh, so, but I feel like the why or your reason is what wakes you up in the morning and keeps you awake at night, you know, and keeps you going. Facts. So, what was your choice? Okay, it was... Coca-Cola, then the construction business, and then Top Flight. When was the time where you decided, okay, I want to go into entrepreneurship? I feel like I always, that was something, uh, well, let me think back. Uh, probably during my promotion days, because I like, I love the flexibility of it, that having my time, and also being able to, uh, you know, I, I won't call it having a living, but, you know, make some uh, money. So I think the biggest thing for me at that point was like the time. And once I had that and then got it taken away, it was like, I got to figure this out some way, somehow. Mm. Because the flexibility for me is everything. So it was the fact that, okay, you had this fun promo job. You're like, okay, I can do this. I'm, you know, this is cool. Then you go into the workforce. The workforce shows you, like, hey, we got nine to five, mm -hmm. we got bosses, we got mm -hmm. structure, like, yeah. all of this stuff. I've never been one for, like, I can't even say authority, but I don't know. Like, I just prefer the freedom. I'm a Sag. What can I say? I am, too, <laughs> which is why I resonate with that authority yeah. thing. But when you think about your role in corporate, yeah. Um, my question is, like, would you say, all, out of all the things that you did, were you good at it? Like, was it your strength? I actually, in once, okay, so once I moved, like, actual corporate, I, I truly enjoyed it. Um, and I say I learned a lot from going corporate. I think it's a great experience for mm -hmm. anybody, yeah. you know? Um, it taught me about how business runs, like, you know, the structure of a company. Yes. Uh, the, yeah, the, the, the uh, tiers, the... The way think the processes should happen, you know. Yeah. So I would I don't take anything away from any corporate job, whatever job you have. Uh, I just know it wasn't for me, but I did learn a lot from it. Mm -hmm. So every job I've worked back from when I was bagging groceries at fourteen or something, I've always taken something from it. And I've always taken pride in every position I've held. Ice cream scooper, uniform is on point. You know, like I'm a truck trying to get off the scale so I can serve people quicker. It's just a, a, a level of pride in whatever you have going on. I think that resonates. Yeah, I was actually at a um, I was at a restaurant the other day, and the servers were like, it's just very inattentive. And I remember, like, I was not like, this. Yeah, time like, like, I was killing the game. <laughs> I was killing the game. Yeah. I was such a like attentive. Like it didn't yeah. matter what my role was. Like you said, ice yeah, cream scooper. Right. You're just. Just take some pride in it. Yeah. yeah. I think it goes a long way. It really does. I would say the work ethic for me probably came from, I don't know, the desire to make people feel good. Because I can't necessarily say I got it from watching people working around like adults. Yeah. It was more like an innate thing. Yeah. So, like, did you get the value of, like, working hard from dad? What Pops. would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was military, man. Yeah. So, like... 
swear up on the weekends early, like uh, cutting the yard. Don't nobody leave the house until the yard is cut, edged, raked up, bagged up. You know the whole whole nine. Like yeah. clean house. I mean, it was four mills. So he's very uh, particular about keeping the house clean and everything. Up. And I think at the time, of course, I'm like, man, it's some BS. But now, uh, as an adult, I know for sure he, um, some good values were instilled at that time. Even now, like you come over to my house, and it's like, it's clean. Everything is in order. Yeah, I love. Uh, yeah, I love order. But yeah, yeah <laughs> with that kind. But um, yeah, it's just clean though, you know. And it's um, I've had so many, you know, women come by. They're like, yo, your house is like pristine, man. Pops, you know. But yeah, yeah. I think work ethic wise, he instilled a lot of that. Um, into us back then yeah, and you. having us teaching us to like want our own and you know like not take the short route you know, always said you'll pay your dues up front yeah something that stuck with me to this day i got you okay so life kind of gets interesting for most people when they become an entrepreneur yeah right um but because travel is it's kind of always been a part of your life when would you when would you say like you started to value travel a little bit more was it when you were in corporate did you travel regularly? Because I know sometimes the salary really allows us to do that yeah. kind of stuff. So, I mean, during, like, college years, intern years, those first couple of positions, like, there was very minimum travel. Mm. And that was just, you know, maybe to go to Memphis and visit my grandma and stuff like that, but not, like, travel. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think not being able to for multiple reasons um finances being one of them for sure it once i was able to it was like oh yeah I'm, you know i'm back on it but i think having that break there is a time once i was able to again that's when i realized how much it meant because i really i started finding like my my comfortable place like in the airplane mm-hmm. I, i'm the, one of the most creative minds ever like, that's why I come up with most of my ideas, ventures, like, structures, everything. Like, on airplane, with my headphones on, and it's, I don't know, it's just kind of like my little cocoon. Yeah. And I love it. So, uh, once I realized that, I just started doing it a lot more because <laughs> I can't think on the ground. When was the first trip that you took? Like, was it solo? Did you go with friends as an adult? Ooh, as an adult, wow. That's, um... That's a lot of flights ago. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember, honestly. I can't, you can't think of it. I, I feel like you know because you came to Atlanta from Germany. It's kind of like the flight experience being a bit desensitized. I feel like for me, I didn't feel like an adult until I traveled solo for the first time. Mm. You know, like mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm picking my own hotel. Oh, I know yeah, where I'm yeah, going. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> I think I was, I think, and even in college, everything was road trips, yeah. you know? Yeah. So my first flight as an adult, I, when I think about it, I feel like it was as a solo adult. It probably was sometime when I, when I worked at an airline. And I, I just feel like my first trip might have been actually Argentina. Wow. Right? Like, my first solo trip with a homegirl. Yeah. I didn't even know her that well. Yeah, you just like, let's catch this flight. Because yeah. we got benefits. But, like, when you think back, even if it's not your first flight, but your most memorable trip, which one was it? 
most memorable? Probably South Africa. Oh. Yeah, yeah that was a big one. And it was a, it was going to be like my a solo trip, like just me. And last minute, one of my friends came. Yeah, he had benefits. That was fantastic. <laughs> I feel like that's such a sad, yeah. sad thing. There's oh, so many sure. times I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this by myself. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, come on. You want to come? This, come like, through. Come, yeah, if no you, problem. If you make it, like, by all means, join. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was a big one. Um, we went over there for, like, seven or eight days. Um, yeah, and I mean, just, like, exploring because it's, you know, you hear different things about places, and then you're like, all right, well, kind of nervous or whatnot, but mm -hmm. once you get there, you see that's usually not the case mm -hmm. uh, that media portrays for a lot of these places. What made you choose South Africa? That is a really deep story. Hey, I love stories. So uh, my father went missing. He was missing for about three months, I think, at that time. <clears throat> and it's, They wouldn't file any reports without somebody going and actually doing it in person. So communication with the embassy and everything else. Long story short, I had to go over there to like handle paperwork and, you know, try to find them. You know you didn't have to give me the abridged version <laughs> <laughs> unless you wanted to give me a bridge version because at this time, your dad's in South Africa yeah. and you're living in Atlanta. Yes. What was your dad doing in South Africa? He was, that's where I got my travel book from. This guy traveled year round. Like once he made his money and he retired and everything else and he literally had been all over the globe but he was doing a um a no eight months i think was his plan eight months in in africa so mm -hmm. just traveling all over africa south africa was his first stop yeah so okay. then supposed to move around but unfortunately uh he passed while he was there so um yeah it was just a man it was at that point it was so much to deal with and that was like once again time wise i probably another factor but like as soon as i got back i was probably with the construction company for another like two months maybe got it yeah i think it all makes sense now it's like when we're faced with the reality that yeah. like we're all on a timeline here yes that's when you started to realize, okay, I got to do something with this thing called a life. Correct. Yeah, like a lot of things just stopped mattering so much. Mm. What yeah. would you say at that time? What What did matter to you? Um, you know what? The biggest thing I, I believe was uh, trying to um, trying to make him happy or make him proud. Mm -hmm. And once that person is gone. It's like, what else do you tap into? You had to find something else. There you go. Self. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or, or my why, should I say. My why, I can put it out there, is uh, helping other people. Mm -hmm. Like, I enjoy providing, being able to provide opportunities. And it's me and my business partners. We all feel the same way. But uh, being able to provide opportunity, legacy, you know, build something great that other people can also build off of. Mm. So, yeah. When you were trying to make your dad proud, and I want to say, like, I feel for you in that story. Oh, yeah, no, sorry. Um, when you say, like, you were t you wanted to make him proud, what were some of the things that you thought he valued, and, and how was that leading your life at the time? Oh, I think, well, education for, for, for one. Okay. But more so just for all of us, uh, me and my siblings, he just wanted everybody to be comfortable, you know, mm -hmm. like, to be 
good on their own, like mm -hmm. in their own space and everything else. I think outside of that, he would have been fine. I'm, I'm sure he was proud already, but he was good with whatever. Um, hey guys, it's Ariel from the Work and Play Podcast. If you're getting any value from this channel, and I mean anything from the tutorials to the podcast to the random videos that you see on this channel, then I just ask that you do one thing. Please subscribe. Subscribe and share this to anyone that you think this resonates with and drop a comment below so I know what other things that you want to see next. Now let's get back to the episode. It's just more so, you know, you're like, oh no, I got to show him this or like, you know, let me take him on a trip out here to, you know, I don't know, Australia or somewhere. You know, things like that. That's It was just okay. it's something you tap into. Yeah. Your so internal motivations of like wanting to like just show him, hey, this is what my success looks like. Show him the fruits of your life. Yeah, more so like a thank you. Like mm. thank you for, you know, sacrificing all those years for us yeah. when you didn't date anybody. You know, like yeah. and all you did was work and go to school and things like that. So more so just like your the fruits of your labor have paid off. Got it. Yeah. I got you. Okay, so things shift. You said you were at the construction company for about two years. Uh, I mean, two I was, months. Once I got back. Yeah, yeah, once yeah, you got yeah. back. Uh -huh. um, and so in your mind, were you like, okay, I got to make a change? Or what was I, going on in your mind at the time? I, I don't even know if I was truly able to. I just knew that um, that wasn't it. Like, I knew that. For one, I wasn't in the right mind space or head space to give them what they needed, you know, which is, once again, I know the owner is one of my good friends, so not to be selfish, but uh, I needed that time, and everything started to align, like, during that time frame. Everything literally just started to make sense, um, but I don't think it was anything that I was literally like, all right, I'm done with this, and I'm going straight into this. Yeah opportunity just kind of was like all right okay this is it yeah sometimes a lot of times in that period intuition plays a huge role correct in like where we get to because here you have a security company i mean it wasn't like i'm gonna go stop from doing construction and go to security right everything kind of lends itself to like following that intuition so like what were some of the things or the first things or that you explored that you know, you just kind of like we're exploring to see, like, hey, <laughs> like as an entrepreneur, yeah. Uh, pocket squares was one of them. Really, yeah. the one. <laughs> J. Carl pocket squares. Nice. Uh, yeah, and once again, but it was for a good reason. I, and I, honestly, I feel like if I had dove into it, mm -hmm. it would have been a fruitful business, I believe. Like because I was building good traction and stuff, but once again, um. It wasn't right. You know, you're exploring. Right. So the first one was pocket squares. Were there others? Uh, I'm sure there were <laughs> <laughs> many. Uh, the marketing company, which I still have, actually mm. does decent. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. The squares pops out to me. I guess. Got you. Yeah. Like, what was the? <laughs> what did you say? Like, okay, you're looking at a J Crew magazine, and you're like. Nah, I, still remember, I remember everything. So it was, um, I was, I had an event to go to and I needed a square, right? Okay. So I went to like three stores and they didn't have anything that I thought, like, I liked, you know, like anything I thought was going to like make a statement. Mm -hmm. Everything was so like standard across the board. It was just, you know, your blues, your greens, whatever, like, and they all had the same simple prints. And I'm like, man, I want some like, funky shit you know i want something that's gonna stand out on its own because i don't want to do a tie i just want the square to do the talking for me 
And uh, spoke to a couple of all my buddies. They're like, yeah, dude, like, I feel the same way. So I just started going into the fabric store and finding some fabrics that I liked that were different. Cheetah print, you know, zebras, all kinds of stuff. Making them and selling them to the homies. And it started building. I just, I didn't continue. Just, so don't anybody steal that idea. I'm like, <laughs> Listen, if you ever wanted to, would you consider yourself a, um, the word is a serial entrepreneur? I, I'm not going to put myself in that lane. Um, I, I would hope to be. Yeah. Eventually, yeah. Got it. So by the time you like retire somewhere on some yeah. nice beach somewhere, you'll have... Yeah, I'm, by the time I might open a restaurant or something, I enjoy cooking. So something that I can manage and just go in and cook when I want. Yeah. And open up on those days and <laughs> close on other days. Mm. This exploration phase is actually really important to like dig into. And you say you're, you, you were interested in, you like cooking, you enjoy cooking. Yeah. Had you ever thought about creating a business off of like your, your um, passion for cooking? I have. Um, time. Is mm. the essence right now, you know. It's, it's the one thing that I that we don't have the most of, you know. Um, so yeah, eventually I would love to, but at this moment, I'm pretty much tapped. Okay. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Was it at the uh, Tony Robbins event that you got clear on travel culture? No. No. Um, Traveling at that, I was I was traveling for work a lot, so that travel, and not I was traveling for work a lot, but for their work, you know. Mm -hmm. It's a so, lot different. Yeah, exactly. So while of course I enjoyed being on planes and stuff, still and you know seeing different things and tapping in, it, it wasn't the same. Like I didn't view it in the way I view travel at this moment. Um, travel culture was. Probably, I think, birthed maybe two years ago. Okay. Yeah, like two years ago. And it was weird because it started off as a a logo. Yeah, I was like just jotting. And I was like, man, this actually looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. And then um sent it to a friend and she was like, what do you want to do with it? I was like, something with travel because the logo had a plane on it. And I was like, hmm. Maybe travel culture? And she's like, yeah, like, Bingo. yeah, I was like, bet. <laughs> and then we just started kind of like brainstorming from there. But I knew I wanted it to be like more so on the nonprofit side of things. Um, and the monetization from that is really just to provide, you know, those sponsorships, those trips or whatnot. Got you. And take care of the people who are, you know, dedicating their time, of course. Okay. So for timeline's sake, how long have you been an entre like a full-time entrepreneur? Four years. Four years. And so that gives us 2000... Like 17. 17, where you left the corporate. Mm -hmm. um, the first idea was really just to like somewhat find yourself and explore what entrepreneurship had for you, or was it just explore yourself? Uh, self, I guess, more so than anything. Mm -hmm. Like... It's it's a test, right? A lot of the, a lot of it is a test, like because I feel like the only reason that didn't survive or didn't make it is because I didn't put my all into it. Right. It's the same way with any of these other businesses that you get involved in. It's usually the one with the whoever can hold their breath the longest for the most part will come out on top. 
know, mm -hmm. they win the race. So, with that being said, uh, it was really just the whole back was me. And once we got tapped into top flight, it was like uh, we had a plenty of opportunity. Like, it was a rough start, man. Like, I mean, rough. But we've had plenty of opportunity to throw in the towel. And, you know, we just chose not to. I'm religious, so prayed about it. And um, I made a choice. That was the biggest choice I probably ever made to be like, you know what? I'm going to stick this out no matter what. Like, win, lose, or draw. Mm -hmm. I'm going to see this to the end, and, and that's it. And I feel like making that decision was the best decision. The, just because, one, you wanted to see what you were made of. Two, you wanted to see something to completion. Were you super passionate about, or are you super passionate about, like, the um, security aspect of it? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm passionate about changing the security mm -hmm. industry. Um, and, you know, we have our ideas and everything. But I'm also passionate about business in general. So my business partner is the security expert. You know, he, he has a crazy background in security. And so it works because he knows what he knows and I know what I know. So it's a, you know, nice. symbiotic relationship. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm, I, I get excited about like, oh, man, this is going to kill the game when I introduce this to him. Like, we're working on some things right now, you know, because it's really, to me, it's like an older industry. It's ran by older individuals. So with technology, we were able to implement some new ideas that I feel like are going to take us to another level. That's pretty cool. I hadn't thought about um, the advantages of technology in that space. Um, where my mind initially goes when I think of security actually was when um, a time when I spent uh, a year working in a, a shelter for homeless people or mm -hmm. for young people experiencing homelessness. And I think a lot of security roles are like low barrier. Yeah. Um, so it always provided that opportunity for young people to go ahead and get their foot in the door with nice wages. Like I think. They... So that that was our that's our purpose behind Top Flight. Is it? Yeah. Providing opportunity. Like we know what the position entails or what people think about the position. But that's that's the backbone of it. That's the reason we started. That's the reason we are like, you know what? We're going to do this. Because we come from those backgrounds. Yeah. Absolutely. Our mo majority of your um, your staff, are they younger, young yeah. people? Most of them are younger. Younger to middle age. What does the training look like for your process? Like your Man, training process? you like? have to talk to Quinn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, that's you. all him. I got you. But from a from from like a high level perspective, yeah. do you know like if it's like eight weeks of training or Yeah, so I have it all down in that um lovely document that I send out to all of our potential property. It's usually like a thirty day training. Okay. Um thirty day training and they train with him because he, he is certified as a instructor. Mm -hmm. So but I don't I couldn't tell you exactly what that entails i got you yeah. when you think about the um the outcomes of a lot of your employees do yeah. you know whether they're in it for to be in the police academy next or is We've, it because no, go ahead. no or i'm gonna say is it because that they want to use security as a stepping stone to get into like you know, the music industry or yeah. something i feel like those are common i think it's various it varies um we have had uh individuals come through and go and be apd and things mm -hmm. of that nature but mm -hmm. We also have individuals um, who want to open up their own security companies, and those people, I work hand-in-hand -hand with them. Like, I'll show them how to get the LLC. Now, I always try to get all of our employees to open up an LLC because they're 
technically are contractors, mm. right? So they're able to write off all those things if they just pay that $100 with the state and get their business going, you know? So it's different. It, some people have the mindset and they want that growth and other individuals just want to get a check and, you know, going about their business. That's amazing. I like how you talk about it. So you guys have a certain level of education within the... Yeah, I, anytime we have a, like, a, you know, I have a, not a training, but like our... Uh, meetings or whatever our monthly meetings mm -hmm. i tell everybody like look i'm not going to force you or come to you for this but if you want to come to me the door is open how like, many people take that offer not many you'll be surprised i think that's the sucky part about yeah. so this lends itself to travel culture right mm -hmm. we're trying to educate people on an experience that they have not yet started to embrace yet correct they don't necessarily feel like they're missing out on anything because they haven't Experience yeah, it yet. It, yeah. So we're trying to get them to understand the value of getting the LLC, financial literacy, mm -hmm. right? And I think that same mindset shift is going to be necessary for people who don't know about travel. Yeah, I think uh, I'm hoping that one of the major reasons is just financial. Mm. So I'm hoping that if, uh, if we're providing you with the financial means and you have this lovely guide, i.e. me or somebody, to show you around this place, then it kind of takes away from the, uh, or it makes it a lot easier to make that decision. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm hoping. We'll see. Who would you say? If somebody is offers me a free trip, I'm I'm out of here. Like by all means. Right, but when we when I think back to your earlier lesson, which is like, when you learn on your own dime, you yeah. learn the lesson. Yeah. If you learn on somebody else's dime, yeah. they learn the lesson. Yeah. So. When we're and I'm really curious about like how we we think around mm -hmm. the mental transformation that a person could experience. Are you going for um, people who have are, right? You said it's going to be a financial barrier, mm -hmm. right? But is it also a cultural barrier where you're trying to get them to value travel and then trying to get them to value finances, which is a whole mindset yeah. shift. So. So travel culture, I can't, I can't say that we are going to be trying to teach the financial freedom and things of that nature, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's more so the cultural experience, right? Taking it all in. But I feel like I'm hoping, once again, it hasn't been tested yet, <clears> but <throat> having that guide with you, kind of like when you see, um, if you ever watch Anthony Bourdain, right? When he goes to different places and he has somebody from that area or somebody very familiar with that area to actually help them dive, help him dive into yes. the culture of the place, you know, mm -hmm. and know what's going on. That is kind of what gets your, gets you thinking, not just to go in and like, Oh, let me snap a photo over here. or Let me see this monument. Like what's the history on that monument? Yes. You know, like, do you know the reason why that's so significant? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, um, I'm hoping that that is the way that we would be able to, change a few minds and then we won't, we won't change everybody but mm -hmm. you know if we can make a little bit of a difference that would mean a lot to me even in one person right i'm thinking about <clears throat> and you know sometimes you just have like if 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 you thought through this much of the business less less spitball but no, i love no, no. i love spitball conversations because it sounds like when we're in a non-profit sense mm -hmm. <clears throat> if we're trying to change mindsets and a part of the application process is like, what are you curious about learning? Mm. Because if they already lead with a curiosity 
to learn. Okay, let's say we're going to Ghana. Yeah. And it's not just about like, um, oh, I want to go like party in Africa. It's like, I want to learn about the Elmina castles. Um, or I want to go learn about, you know, slavery before it yeah. happened. Whatever the the person is already curious about can give you a sense of are they what ready they, to yeah. right. But that's the thing. I don't it's I don't want it to be dry. Like I like to party, especially out of town. I don't party in town. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when I travel, I want it that's part of the culture, right? Yeah. I want to experience that as well. That's fact. So I don't want it to be just so stuffy or dry that we're like, oh, I'm just going on this field trip. Mm. No, it's not a field trip. It's a cultural learning experience, but we're going to tap in everything. The food, the education of it, the party of it, like whatever that, if, if the party isn't part of it, of that culture, then we're not going to do it. But whatever is available, like that's what we are trying to embody. And I hope that when you do travel, you take that into consideration. Like all of that is part of a culture. Ibiza is a gorgeous place. They're known for party, right? But I'm sure they have great food, great history, and the whole nine as well. Hmm. So, get a little bit of everything. Absolutely. Did you have, I might be much more uh, structured in my thinking, because sometimes I would be, if I were going to a new location, this was actually a, a <laughs> thing of mine for, for a while. Uh, if I was going to a new location, I would look up black history in that oh, place. Yeah, and there's a lot of it all over. It's all over. Like, I went to Amsterdam, and I researched, like, black history in Amsterdam. I found a black history tour. Wow. I literally did. (laughs) So, like, did you have, do you have, like, um, criteria for, like, I want to go to these places because of these things? Um, I think I've been, no, I can't say I do. Sometimes, very few times. Like, I travel so last minute most of the time, man. Like, I have been in the flight booking my hotel as I land or like I'm in the airport and they're like hey you got to put down your location you know like where you're staying at on your uh visa uh been in London started snowing flew to Madrid you know stuff like that so it's like some I don't know where I'm going all the time but I know I can find this stuff like I can find culture I don't have to do that in advance I could use my phone right there and be like all right where am I gonna go today what's what's there to see you know I was in South Africa in my bed I'm like you know what, I think I want to go see a museum today and went to the um, Mandela Museum, you know, yeah. stuff like that. It's, it's, it doesn't have to be so mapped out, which I do enjoy. I mean, I appreciate people who <laughs> do that for real. Whenever I go on group trips and mm-hmm. have everything laid out, I'm like, perfect. I don't have to do much, but show up. But uh, yeah, I think I, my idea of traveling is a little bit different, but it also has taught me to let go of so much of uh, the anxiety I think that comes with traveling. With some people, if they don't have that structure and everything else in advance, and it's like, whoa. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't have to be that. So when things don't go right, I'm usually okay with it because that anxiety is like, I didn't already experienced all this stuff before. Like, what else you got? You know? Yeah. I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm actually similar. I think through a lot of what could possibly happen. And then when I get there, I'm like, let's just do whatever. Because yeah, like now you know all the opportunities that like, exist. Exactly. You got to. I love it. So this is um, really cool in the sense that 
it's the other side of spontaneous travel that I didn't get a chance to live. Well, not yet, because I've always been a, a standby traveler. Oh, yeah, yeah, But it's yeah. really cool to hear about, like, your spontaneity as a traveler, even paying for these trips and being spontaneous with the way that you, you decide, hey, it's snowing in London, I'm going to go to Madrid. Like, that kind of stuff is actually really inspiring, and it's kind of like... And honestly, that, that flight, I, if I remember correctly... Uh, we might have paid $70 round trip. Really? Yeah, because especially in Europe, once you're in Europe, it's easy to move around in different places. It's inexpensive. You can yeah. catch a train the most, but you know, you just got to do a tad bit of research. And by tad bit, I mean, if you don't have, you can, can I tell? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so there's an app you can try called uh, Skip Lagged, S-K-I-P-L-A-G-G-E-D. That's a great one to check out. And then um, Secret Flying, they have an app, but you can also go on the website. Great place to start for, especially secret flying for international traveling. Yeah. Yeah, they have great deals all the time. You can see where you're trying to go, pick alerts. Um, yeah. Good place to start. So you gave us a little bit of, of the gems. They, yeah, we yeah, still yeah. got to come to travel culture for, yeah, for the yeah, full yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. But I think um, I, I, I the last time I looked at it, I think it was called uh, Watch. Flight watch or something like that, watchdog mm -hmm. or something like that. But I didn't even know about skip lag. So yeah, skip especially for last minute flights. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one to check out for sure. That's dope. You have a a very genuine sad spirit, right? Really? Do your I friends? So. <laughs> and then because what I'm what's coming out for me is like the prices. Sometimes you can sounds like you could be a bit lucky in finding prices. Do your mm -hmm. friends like say to you? No, nah, that's because like you always get the good deals. Are you? Nah, I'm I'm the person that pretty much lines our trips up. Mm. Yeah, I'm the I'm the travel guy. You know, like <laughs> I do all the booking for the most part now because they're trusting it. Okay. Yeah, when they got somebody um trying to charge them, like we were going to London, I think, and my god sister, the lady was charging like twelve hundred a piece or something, which wasn't crazy, but I ended up finding same flights, room and board for like seven hundred. So. We could call it luck, or we could just call it savvy traveling. Savvy traveling, yeah. I promise you. It's yeah. been proven. I love it. So you you travel and enjoy life. Love it, right? When do you find time for work? Oh, I work every day. Yeah, like, trust me, even when I'm naming these places, I'm still working. Like, mm -hmm. my laptop is right here. It doesn't leave my side. Um, and I usually work way longer than anybody else I know. Mm -hmm. Like, when I'm here in Atlanta especially... I'm at my house and I'm working, or I'm at somebody's hookah lounge and I'm working there as well. But my laptop is always out. Mm. What yeah. does work look like for you? Just depends on the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I say, um, <laughs> you know, operations for one, moving into like the digital space for another right now, and then trying to build out travel culture, get merch together. Um, I mean, packaging, like it's... It varies. Okay. So I kind of map, try to map, I try to map out my days. Um, so one day dedicated to this business, one day dedicated to this business, or if, you know, something urgent comes up, switch it around. But that's kind of like how it gives me the structure so that I'm not just like all over the place. I got you. In the sense of work and play, um, sometimes I want to mix more like family and friends when I'm like working, but I still haven't found that sweet spot of, uh, working on something I'd like to focus on and then actually like spending quality time with people. I quite, I haven't meshed those two yet. Have you been able to mesh the two? I can say I have. 90% <clears throat> um, of my 
inner circle are entrepreneurs, right? Mm. And we all work the same. So my house is pretty much our office, like daily. Three people, three, four people there. Everybody's on their laptops. We have a little area that if you got to go get on a call, like you go over there to get on the call or you're on the patio or something. Mm -hmm. And everybody else is just like laptops, music playing, probably a hookah. <laughs> and some Ivan John. And still getting the work in. Still getting the work. Yeah, because nobody, we don't talk to each other. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, a little interaction here and yeah. there, but like, it's more so like, hey, you got work to do. I'm not going to disturb you. Same way you're not going to disturb me. But it just, it, that's our quality time. I love that. Yeah, like, that's when we get to spend time together. When you say 90% of your friends are entrepreneurs, to me, I envision a shift somewhere, right? Did you. Have you, do you feel like you've lost? Oh, in my or, friend group? Yeah. Yeah. Was it always? Nah. Was it that you've lost some friends along the way? Not lost. Okay. Um, I just don't get to see as often. Yeah. Just because, once again, like, I, I see my group of friends so often because we work together, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but everybody else, had, we all have our lives outside of that, but, you know, kids and everything else. But um, that's our quality time. So with that being said, a lot of... My other friends who don't have that freedom, um, I don't get to see as often because it's, uh, you know, it's very a short time frame. And then I'm always traveling somewhere. So it just kind of can be a little uh, hectic. Mm, yeah. I agree. I got you. So a lot of FaceTime calls. Just to stay connected yeah. um, with the people you really want to. And social media. Man. I feel like that that's the easiest way for it. Yeah. I think social media allows us to stay more connected than or if as long as you see someone on on gram you yeah, like them you exactly. know what's going on it's like you you see the baby yeah, growing yeah. up there doesn't feel like any we space <laughs> like, like we still we had a whole conversation <laughs> right i just saw you the other day yeah, like, what are you like? What are you oh I, instagram man i saw you <laughs> Yeah, so. It really does allow us to keep tabs with the people we love, even if we don't see them for a long time. Yeah. yeah That's no. pretty cool. Yeah, no. And um, I admire the fact that you say 90% of your friends are um, entrepreneurs. I feel like I'm kind of in a space where I'm in a shift of friends, right? Because I left corporate maybe three years ago. Right. Um, thank you. Yeah. It, it, was a, it was a whole thing. Um, but I think the transition is you know, happening where I don't even, it's like not even a choice. I just yeah. don't see my uh, friends as much as I used to. And you got to put in a lot more work. Yeah. You know what I mean? In the so beginning. That, your time, yeah, your time is very uh, valuable. Absolutely. And you've been able to develop genuine friends as an entrepreneur, so I think that's, it yeah. just gives me hope. Oh, yeah, trust me. You can always come to our friend group, man. We're, we accept applications right now. So. Thank you. Yeah, now sure. I have a whole essay. Yeah, Why come on you, up. Let me be your friend. <laughs> So, um, <clears throat> as we um, talk about uh, travel culture a little bit more, um, this is more like a true or false or agree or disagree type of thing. I've learned that the best way to get to know a person is mm. by going, like traveling with them for 24 hours or more. I can see that. <laughs> Would you agree? And <laughs> yeah. I mean relationships. Yeah, yeah. I mean friendships. I've yeah. gone to countries I, with people I don't even know. Yeah. Would no. you agree? Yeah, I've done the same thing, and I do agree. Uh, I've done that with people that I, I would never go on trips with again. Yeah. 
100%. Do you have, and I don't, like, I want you to okay. share whatever you feel comfortable with sharing, but do you have any I, I situations? I can't put any. <laughs> you're not doing that? because yeah, if I mention a trip, that person will be like, oh, you're talking, yeah, I, I just kidding. <laughs> well, I will, I will say that there have been people who I'm like, you can be really cool with, and as soon as you travel, you're like, oh, you just, now, now I know how I'm of you. They're like, now I know why nobody, you have no friends, because you've probably traveled with all of them. <laughs> yeah. Or they just, they saw this side of you before yeah, yeah. I got a chance to. Hey guys, it's Ariel from the Work and Play Podcast. If you're getting any value from this channel, and I mean anything from the tutorials to the podcast to the random videos that you see on this channel, then I just ask that you do one thing. Please subscribe. Subscribe and share this to anyone that you think this resonates with and drop a comment below so I know what other things that you want to see next. Now let's get back to the episode. Oh man, um, I got some funny, funny travel <laughs> stories for sure. I well, I would love to hear them. <laughs> Definitely, but this is about you. So, um, uh, so you find time for work. Well, actually, no, you find time for enjoyment, should yeah. I say, because you're always but working. I enjoy working too, though. Yeah. Yeah, I really do, like, find pleasure in figuring things out and seeing the, the businesses grow, you know? Yeah. That makes me happy. Yeah. What's the latest business um, adventure you've gotten into lately? The latest one? Mm -hmm. Uh, That would be, well, Travel Coach. That's my latest project. Okay that I'm actually starting to work on now. Yeah, because before it was just an idea. Okay. So we're actually putting in the work currently. Oh, and I just got um, on the board uh, for the Faith Project. It's a great nonprofit. Oh, cool. Uh, so I'll be working with them, I think, in their uh, digital media. So. Nice. Yeah. What's it like being a board member of a nonprofit? I just got on this one, but I can speak on some previous ones. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I was on the board for the... Georgia Breast Cancer Coalition Fund. It's a long name, and I love that. I love that 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 nonprofit, that board. Like a wonderful group of uh, women. Um, I want to say I was probably like the only guy. Probably I know I was the only guy in the org. But when I used to go to conferences in D.C. with them, maybe one or two dudes. I know I was the youngest for sure. Cause at this time I was probably like 25, 20. No, yeah, about 26 maybe, 27. But it was, it was great, man. It was a very active board. So uh, we were very much involved. Like I said, we just go to all the conference, fundraisers, um, you know, just trying to stay in tune and uh, helping individuals with, you know, breast cancer. And I learned a lot. I learned a, a whole lot from, from those individuals. And uh, everybody's like, why do, you, why, why do you care so much? Do you know anybody with breast cancer? And I'm like, no, nah, I'm just an able being person. Like, why wouldn't I, you know, help? You guys brought me into this. Yeah. Of course, I'm going to do whatever I can. Mm. But now it's a great situation. Man. I truly shout out to the Georgia Breast Cancer College Fund. Mm. You've been pretty civic minded for a long time. I think it's I think it's actually my admirable um, seeing that I didn't really do my first volunteer event for real until I was twenty five, mm -hmm. um, and then I got super gung ho. That yeah. just changed my whole <laughs> life. Um, but a lot of and I know a lot of people who have stories where they kind of stumble into civility in, mm -hmm. in nonprofit world, when you were thinking about like, okay, I know there's more, right? Yeah. You're starting to swirl around things that you might be interested in, things that you want to explore. Was uh, nonprofit or impact or any of that at the forefront of your mind? Yeah, I always knew um, I wanted to do something uh, definitely in a nonprofit field or like giving back to the community. Because once again, I know what we 
how we grew up. And uh, still know a lot of individuals, you know, and still in, the, in those situations. So, uh, yeah, we always, once again, that was the backbone behind Top Fly for One. Like, we're working on, I didn't mention it, but we're working on a scholarship right now for our high school that we went to. And then next year, I'll be implementing one for uh, Georgia State. But, um, yeah, so we've always been like, all right, we got to do something. You know, no matter what it is, we got to do our part. Because there's only so much you can make and it's like, and do with it, you know. And I get, I feel way better when I'm able to do something for somebody else versus go buy some new shoes, you know, yeah. or something like that. And it doesn't take a shit ton of money. Can I curse on It's done. Okay. <laughs> to, uh, to help somebody out. Yeah. You know, to to change somebody's day. Yeah. You don't got to be much. You don't got to come in with it with these absurd amounts of money, you can do something with a hundred dollars, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. That's beautiful. I I really do admire that. Um there is one other thing that I am super curious about. And even though you said it was cliche, I feel like it was definitely impactful. And it was that Tony Robbins um oh. experience. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so and it does actually in this um as I'm curious about the journey of like kind of self-fulfillment and you finding your why, mm -hmm. it may or may not have even been uh, a Tony Robbins. I think it's, it's what I would say is my suggestion is always to actively put yourself in situations that will allow you to find yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. And if it's a Tony Robbins event, mm -hmm. let it be. For me, it was a, a three day retreat in Chicago with this lady who taught yoga. No, so no, no. I'm intentionally trying to find my why. Yeah. You were intentionally trying. And if it, we didn't say try, find our why, we were intentionally trying to find ourselves yeah. or explore. So for you in the journey, for people who are listening to your story and they're like, man, this guy sounds cool. He's traveling, how he's been traveling. He's civic minded. He's got work and play kind of on lock. You sound very balanced in the way that you, mm -hmm. you view things. What would you say is that first step that someone can take? Right before, um, whether without it being drastic scenario, you know, situations that they can actually take their own, you know, control of their life and their own development into their own hands and find something similar to what you're finding. Um, I think exploring. Uh, once again, for me, what you you made a good point saying that. Uh, we put ourselves in those situations to be able to find our why, right? I went to that seminar because I knew I knew who he was and what he was, you know, supposedly doing and stuff like that, but still very skeptical. But once again, it was stuff that I knew. I knew that I enjoyed giving back and, you know, helping people and everything else, but I had never aligned that with that's your core, you know? So I think exploring yourself as far, I mean, in any way, for some people it's different. Like I have a Zen coach that helps me continue to explore and tap into, you know, the, another way of thinking and viewing things. Um, but I don't know, like going into it, just starting off, man, that's a tough one. I think it's going to vary. You saying explore is actually really, really like, it hits hard. Yeah, I feel like, you know, <clears throat> trial and error is going to be different things for different people. Um, I've, I had done under other seminars before then. It just wasn't what I needed. Reading, 
I listen to podcasts and all that stuff that actually helps shape my mind and my ways of thinking as well. So maybe try finding a book that you enjoy, you know, or something that's out of your norm but that you still may find fruitful and starting there. Yeah, pretty straightforward, right? When you think about it, yeah. I mean, in the, in the moment you feel like, I'm not happy, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, I know this isn't it, yeah. now what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, or talk to people. Yeah, talk talk to individuals. Um, see what you know what they have going. On. I, I don't think anybody, nobody should mind telling you about what they have going on. Now, don't be you know a pest about it, but I don't think anybody who has something going on will mind saying like, "Oh yeah, man, I'm in this field," and figure out what that field is. You know, then you can go go do your own research and see if that's something for you as well. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing those breadcrumbs. I yeah, think yeah, it's sure. it's important for us to be able to show as many people in different scenarios what they need to do to get to where they want to go. Yeah. And if they're willing to take the action, talk to someone, explore, read a book, podcast, feed your, feed your mind. I think all of those things definitely lead you to a place where you can feel more self-fulfilled yeah. in the long run. And you don't have to wait until you're 50 or 60 to retire nah, to do it. No, you don't. <laughs> don't do that try not to do that if you can if you can help it absolutely so one i want to thank you so much for joining me oh, on the couch you. today yeah your story it's is amazing and oh, for those of um of us who are listening and watching and they want to stay connected with you they either want to work with you um professionally or they want to just continue following your journey how can they connect with you um all social media is uh just at tk james pretty simple um, or at Top Flight Security LLC on Instagram. Um, and you can feel free to reach out to me via email, tkjames4 at gmail.com. And yeah. Whatever. There you have it. Again, I want to thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening and thank you for watching. But until next time, peace out, guys. <laughs>